podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. As promised, this is our mini-pod to preview our match against Udinese on Saturday, and this episode is brought to you in part by Betstamp, the world's first verified buy-sell marketplace for sports betting picks. So let's get right into it. Udinese come into this match sitting 8th in the table with a record of 6 wins, 6 draws, and only 2 losses on 24 points. Udinese have been a streaky team this season. They opened the year with a loss to Milan and a draw to Salernitana. Then they won six consecutive matches, and it wasn't because they had an easy fixture list. During that run, they beat Fiorentina, Roma, Sassuolo, and Inter. By the end of round eight, Udinese were third in the table, only one point behind Napoli and Atalanta. However, that train has run out of steam lately. The results have not been terrible, but Udinese are winless in their last six matches with five draws and one loss. Now, the first two draws were respectable results, considering their opponents in those two matches were Atalanta and Lazio, but then they lost to Torino and drew to Cremonese, Lecce, and Spezia, so we appear to be catching Udinese at the right time. That drop in form has coincided with a string of injuries to some really important players for Udinese, so with that, let's get to the starting lineups. For Napoli, I'm expecting Luciano Spalletti to make a number of changes, but still to field a very strong side. Of course, he'll line up in the 4-3-3 formation with Alex Meret in goal. We know Giovanni Di Lorenzo will start at right back and Kim Min-Jae will play as one of the two center backs. The questions at the back are who will play as the other center back and who will play at left back. Personally, I think Juan Jesus will complete the center back pairing. We have yet to see Ostegaard play in consecutive matches, and I have no reason to expect anything different from this match. By the way, Jesus gave an interview to Radio Kiss Kiss on Thursday where he talked about growing up in Brazil, how Italy has become his second home, and how grateful he is to Luciano Spalletti for being the only person who believed in him. That interview only made me like Juan Jesus even more. His family is rightly the most important thing to him. He even said, being a good father and a good person is more important to him than winning trophies. Which is not to say that he doesn't want to win trophies. What it means is that there is nothing more important to him than his family. Left back is another questionable position, but I think Matthias Oliveira will return to the starting lineup I was really disappointed that Mario Rui was not called up to the Portugal team for the World Cup. I know as a Napoli fan, that's probably better for us if he's not there, but I feel like he deserves to be there for how well he's played this season and also for how well he played last season. He's 31 years old now, so realistically, this was his last chance to play in the World Cup. He was part of the squad for Russia 2018, but he never featured, so I do feel really bad for Mario Rui. 
Moving on to the midfield, when I talk about Spalletti playing his best squad or a really strong squad, I'm really referring to Spalletti playing his best midfield. That is, I think we will see Stanislav Lobotka as a regista with Piotr Zelinski to his left and Andre Frank Zombo and Gisa to his right. Up top, the big question this week was whether Javicha Kvaraschelia would return to the squad and to the starting 11. There were plenty of reports that he would, but Spalletti confirmed in his pre-match conferenza that Cavada will not play in this match. Personally, I never expected him to play in this one. I don't know if I've said it anywhere on the record, I think I did an episode or two ago, but otherwise I'll just have to take my word for it. In any event, that likely means that Elif Elmas will play on the left wing after Giacomo Raspadori started against Empoli and really didn't have much of an impact on that match. On the right wing, I think we'll see Chucky Lozano come back into the starting 11 after an impressive performance off the bench against Empoli, and he's been alternating with Politano almost on a match-by-match basis. Finally, while I'd love to see Giovanni Simeone play more, I think we'll continue to roll with the hot hand of Victor Osimen, considering this is our last game of the calendar year. For Udinese, we'll see Andreas Sotil line up in a 3-5-2 formation with Marco Silvestri in goal. Sotil has been forced to rotate his back three as a result of a number of injuries, specifically on the right side of the back three, which has been a bit of a cursed position for Udinese. Sotil started the season with Adam Messina as the right-sided center back, but he tore his ACL playing against Fiorentina on match day four. Sotil then played Rodrigo Becao in Messina's place before Becao suffered a thigh injury playing against Lazio on match day 9. Like Amir Rachmani, Becao is expected to return in 2023. Enzo Ebos was the next man up. He's remained healthy, but Destiny Udoji, who plays at left wing back, suffered a muscle injury ahead of Udinese's match day 13 fixture against Lecce. The reason that's relevant to Udinese's back line is because for the Zebretas match against Spezia on Tuesday, Sotil played a boss in that left wing back position. So if Sotil does the same thing for this match, we'll likely see a back three of Jakabiol, Bram Neutink, and Nahuel Perez. That is, of course, assuming that Neutink is fit to play. Sotil said in his pre-match conference that they're trying to get him ready to take the pitch, suggesting that he might not be ready. If Neutink can't play, or similarly, if a boss is not fit to play as a wingback twice in five days, we could see a back three of Ebos, Biol, and Perez. In that case, Roberto Pereira would likely shift over to play at left wingback, and Kingsley Ahizibwe would play at right wingback, like we saw in that match against Lecce. In the midfield, Jean-Victor Makengo is also out. I believe he also has a thigh injury. Sandy Lovrich started against Spezia, but I think we'll see Lazar Samardzic in the center of the midfield with Wallace to his left and Tolge Arslan to his right. Finally, Jared Delofeu and one of Beto and Isaac's success will start as striker. Surprisingly, success has been the preferred option lately, but given the short rest, I think Beto is going to start. So those are our starting lineups. Next, let's get to our three keys to the match. My first key to the match is I want to see us play quickly again. Now, as I mentioned on the last episode of Fortinopoli Worldwide with Lorenzo, I think this insane schedule has finally caught up to us a little bit, which is perfectly understandable 
Fortunately, the schedule after the World Cup is not too bad, at least in terms of the frequency of matches. There are only two midweek fixtures in the league. One of them is right after we return from the winter break. The first game back, we play against Inter, and then four days later, we play against Sampdoria. Fortunately, it's Sampdoria and not a better team. The Blucercati have been absolutely dreadful this season. Then after Sampdoria, we play against Juventus, which is another big match. That's why I won't get too ahead of myself, because while I think we are definitely stronger than Juve, and at least as good as Inter, if not stronger than them as well, we could conceivably lose both of those games. If we do, and either of Milan or Lazio win their next three matches, including this round, we could easily find our 8-point gap reduced to 2. The other midweek Serie A fixture is not until May when we play against Udinese midweek. That match day 33 fixture will be sandwiched between matches against Lernitana and Fiorentina. Of course, depending on how we do in the Coppa Italia and in the Champions League, there could be a fair few more midweek fixtures. We play Cremonese in the round of 16 of the Coppa Italia on January 17th. That is a match we are expected to win, even if we play our quote-unquote reserve players. We now know the dates for our Champions League tie against Eintracht Frankfurt. The group stage runners-up play the first leg at home, so we will travel to Germany on February 21st. In the return leg, the group winners play at home, so we will host Frankfurt on March 15th. Again, with all due respect to Frankfurt, who's a good team, that's a tie you would expect us to win. So we should expect at least three additional midweek fixtures, the Coppa Italia quarterfinal, which will likely be against Roma, and then the two legs of the Champions League quarterfinal. But we just need to take it one match at a time. I shouldn't even be talking about matches against Inter and Juve or Champions League quarterfinals because right now we should be focused entirely on Udinese and getting a win on Saturday. We'll have plenty of time to think about those other matches over the next two months. Going back to the point about Napoli looking a little bit off lately, we also need to consider that we had very little time to prepare for the Atalanta and Empoli matches. Before the Atalanta match, which was on a Saturday, we played against Liverpool in England on the Tuesday. So there were only three days in between those matches, and during those three days, we had to fly back to Napoli before hopping back on a plane a couple of days later to fly to Bergamo. At best, we got two full training sessions in before that match. Then we flew back to Napoli for the match against Empoli, which was another Tuesday fixture, so again, at best, we only had two full training sessions to prepare for the Empoli match. But this is one of the two occasions this season where we have back-to-back home matches in the league. The other one is in March, when we play Lazio and Atalanta back-to-back at home. That means we would have had three full training sessions to prepare for this match, which is more than we've had for the last two. So we should be a little bit fresher and a little bit more prepared for Udinese than we were for Atalanta and Empoli. My second key to the match is that we need to stop Gerard Delofeu. As I mentioned, I'm not sure who will start up top with Delofeu between Beto and Isaac's success. Beto leads the team in scoring with 7 goals, but 6 of those goals were scored by October 3rd. He's only scored 1 goal in his last 6 matches which was against Lecce. That was the only match in Udinese's last four where Beto has played from the first minute, so he's a little bit out of form. 
Delofeo has only scored three goals, which is exactly how many goals he had scored by this point last season. He really exploded in the second half of last season, finishing the season with 13 goals. Of course, one of those goals was against Napoli, so we know what he's capable of doing in terms of finishing. But even when Delofeo isn't scoring, he is the creative force of this Udinese team. He's already up to 7 assists on the season, which is way higher than his production last season. At this point last season, he had only 1 assist, and he finished the season with 5 assists in total, so he's already surpassed his assist total from all of last season. For this match, I think he will have the added motivation of playing against a team that very nearly signed him in the summer. Now, Delafeu was very professional about that whole situation. As far as I could tell, everything was in place to make that move happen, but Napoli stalled while we were negotiating a number of different deals at the same time. I don't think Udinese had anything to do with the deal falling apart. Udinese's sporting director Andrea Carnevale gave an interview this week where he basically said he doesn't know why Delofeu never ended up at Napoli. He actually spoke quite highly of Napoli. He mentioned how Napoli managed to beat Empoli even if it wasn't easy, whereas last season that never happened. He also said something that I think is particularly relevant to Napoli, which is that championships are won by beating the big clubs, but above all, they are won by beating the small ones. He also spoke highly of both Spalletti and Giuntoli on Spalletti. He said he is one of the best Italian coaches and that he deserves to win a Scudetto. And on Giuntoli, he said that Napoli have followed Udinese's approach of finding unknown players and selling them to big clubs, but of course to a higher degree with players like Kim and Cavara. My final key to the match is that we need to watch out for the counter-attack. Now, under Ricardo Sotil and even under Gabriele Cioffi last season, Udinese play much more positive, expansive football. However, I think Udinese will play differently against Napoli than they typically do, much like Empoli played a lot lower against us than they typically play. There are still a few key players on this Udinese squad that were around 3 or 4 seasons ago when Luca Gotti was in charge, and Gotti definitely played counter-attacking football. Now, they had Rodrigo De Paul back then, and he was a really important part of that system, but the idea of playing counter-attacking football will not be completely foreign to many of these Udinese players. So, we need to be prepared to defend the counter-attack. Hopefully, our midfielders have the legs to do that. That's also a reason why it makes sense to start Oliveira. We all saw how he tracked back to stop Mo Salah on the counterattack in the Champions League. Kim is a huge part of our defense regardless, but his pace also helps with defending the counterattack, especially if Juan Jesus starts, because Jesus does not have that pace. And if we score more than two goals, we'd probably be okay to concede a goal on the counterattack and still win this match. We just have to make sure we don't concede more than a goal. For my prediction, I'm going to go with a 3-1 victory for Napoli on goals from Victor Osimhen, Chucky Lozano, and Piotr Zielinski. For Udinese, I'll give the goal to Gerardello Feu as a consolation for not being signed by Napoli. As I said, I think we're going to field our best midfield, which means we will have a very strong team on the pitch to close the calendar year, and I think all of our players will be keen to close this first phase of the season with a win. Meanwhile, I think Udinese just have too many injuries to key players, and while they may have a strong enough starting 11, 
I think our bench could make a big difference as those starters begin to tire out, just like we saw against Ampoli and really just like we've seen throughout this season. If you're going to bet on this match, be sure to check out the BetStamp app for the best odds available in your region. For me, I can get Napoli on the money line at minus 200 with Betano. Those aren't great odds, but they're actually the best odds I've seen for Napoli on the money line in a while because lately we've been such big favorites. You can get better odds on the goal line. Most books have the goal line set at one and a quarter. If you're going to bet on the goal line, you might as well use ProLine Plus, who have Napoli as one and a half goal favorites, meaning you can get a better payout at plus 125. Finally, you can find a wide range of options on the total. If you want to play it safe, a few books are offering a total of two and a half Betway, ProLine Plus, and Bet Victor. The odds there are around minus 182 for all three books. If you want a better payout, many books are offering a total of three and a half goals with a payout in the range of plus 130 to plus 145. So that is where I'll leave it. I hope you enjoyed the match and I hope you enjoyed this preview. If you did, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. You can also support the show by signing up for our Patreon. It's entirely voluntary. There are no set tiers, but it does help me to continue to produce content both on the podcast and on our website at fortsinopolypress.com. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, assuming Twitter still exists by the time you hear this episode. And you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Pod. I will be back next week to review this match, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli sempre! Podcast Network.